Hi, I'm Barb Nangle. I'm the founder and CEO of Higher Power Coaching and Consulting, LLC. I want to welcome you to my podcast, Fragmented to Whole, Life Lessons from 12-Step Recovery. On this podcast, I share my experience, strength, and hope from recovery. I don't support or endorse any particular 12-step recovery program, and I don't claim to speak for any 12-step fellowship. My hope is that you will find my words helpful in some way, whether you're in recovery or not. This is episode 125, Top 12 Lessons on Dating and Relationships from 12-Step Recovery. If you're a fan of this podcast and want to support it, please check me out on Patreon. If you're not familiar, Patreon is a platform created by creators for creators that allows them to be supported and rewarded for their work by their fans and followers. You can find me at patreon.com slash higherpowercoaching. I'm doing this episode as a sort of follow-up to last week when I talked about stop falling in love with people's potential. A lot of the issues I'm about to talk about came up for me when I was working on that episode and I realized that they're separate issues and they can be couched as things we learn in 12-step recovery that can easily be applied to dating and relationships. Now, I never had even one healthy relationship before I was in recovery. And now I'm in a very wonderful, happy, thriving romantic relationship. And part of it is because I stopped doing all the shit I was doing that attracted dysfunctional relationships or that sabotaged decent relationships. But it's not like I sat down and said, okay, here's what I'm going to do different in my next relationship. I am a changed person. One of the promises of recovery is that we will intuitively know how to handle situations that used to baffle us. And my relationship is a perfect example. There have been so many times in my relationships where I've just absolutely known what to do. And sometimes in that moment, while it's happening, I'm almost like observing myself and realizing, well, here's what I would have done in the past and how I would have screwed that up, thinking that was just mind-boggling to me that I know how to act now. So I'm going to come over, come over, I'm going to cover some of the grand lessons from recovery that could be applied to relationships. I'll list them here first, and then I'll go over each one in detail. And they're in no particular order. And I don't really claim that these are all of the lessons of recovery. In fact, I'd love to hear if you have other ones. So one, don't date for the first year you're in recovery. Two, be real. Three, when someone tells you who they are, believe them. Four, one day at a time. Five, first things first. Six, acceptance. Seven, halt, H-A-L-T, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Eight, keep coming back. It works if you work it, so work it, you're worth it. Nine, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different outcome. 10, progress, not perfection. 11, H-O-W, honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. And 12, my part in things. Okay, here we go. The first one is don't date for the first year you're in recovery. Pretty much every 12-step recovery program gives the guidance to newcomers to wait to start dating until you've been in recovery for at least a year. And I think we can safely say the group conscience of all 12-step recovery programs is that you shouldn't date for at least a year when you're in recovery, unless you're already in a relationship, of course. 
And the reason for this is that if you work a recovery program, you are going to be a completely different person in a year, a much healthier version of yourself in a year, which means you're going to be attracted to healthier people and healthier people are going to be attracted to you. So the person that you would date at month one in recovery will be very different from the person that you would date at month 12 in recovery because the person you are is very different. So that's lesson number one on dating from recovery. Put a pause on it. Don't be in a hurry to date. Two, another thing we learn from recovery is to be real. Don't fake who you are. Act like you like things that you like or that you don't like things that you do. Being fake is unsustainable if you want to stay clean, sober, and abstinent. So here's what not to do. I made it seem to the men I dated like I liked football. And in fact, I liked whatever team the current guy was dating. So I've been a Dallas Cowboys fan twice. I've been a Patriots fan. I've been a Giants fan. And meanwhile, I don't give a shit about football but I acted like I did when I was dating people that were really into it. Don't do that. You get to like what you actually like. And if you want to maintain your recovery, it needs to be based on who you really are. At the same time, you need to leave room for the person you're dating to like what they like. Now, now, if I were dating someone who was really into football and every Sunday it was really important to him to watch football, I wouldn't try to stop him. And I wouldn't make it mean something about me when he wanted to spend time watching football on Sundays, especially if it's something he's been doing his whole life. I would find something else to do at that time. Your partner deserves to enjoy their life just like you deserve to enjoy your life. Three, one thing we learn in recovery is when somebody tells you who they are, believe them. So if you start out being deceived by someone that you're dating, then believe that they're a deceiver. Let's say you meet somebody online and then when you go to meet them for the first time in person, they look absolutely nothing like the photo online. What they're telling you is, I am not anything like I appear to be. So believe them. Four, another principle we learn in recovery is to do things one day at a time. That is, take things slowly, bit by bit, there's no rush. If you have a sense of urgency around your dating situation and you want things to move faster, then that's probably not healthy, especially not for somebody who's just gotten into recovery. That being said, one thing I think it is wise to rush into is meeting someone you've met online in person. If you meet somebody online and they seem like a good person to date, then it's wise to meet them sooner rather than later. If you don't meet them for a while, you'll build up this expectation of who you think they're going to be, and it's almost impossible for somebody to live up to that. And chemistry can only really be experienced in person. It doesn't happen through texting, phone, email, Zoom. So if you find somebody that you're interested in, 
put boundaries around your initial interactions with them. Maybe have a 10-minute phone call first. If that goes well, then have a 30-minute phone call. And if that goes well, then maybe a 20-minute coffee date to see how things go. Five, using the principle of first things first. That means what you value most should come first. Your recovery needs to come first before your dating and relationships. They need to fit around your recovery, not the other way around. I was in a Friday night women's meeting the other night and somebody who had just broken off a relationship and come back to the meeting said she felt that this particular meeting time and day was anti-relationship. Meanwhile, she was sitting in the room with a bunch of women in healthy relationships. We all put that meeting before our relationships. You also need to live your life by what is most important to you in terms of values out in the world. So not just I need to go to recovery and that my spiritual life is an incredibly important part of my life, but like, let's say you really want to have children, then you need to date somebody that is very clear they want to have children. If somebody isn't sure and you're positive you want to have kids, then don't date that person. They're not going to turn into somebody who wants to have kids. There are some values you don't need to have in common and some you do, like raising a family. Number six, one of the most important principles I've learned in recovery is acceptance. That means accepting people the way they are. I heard someone on a podcast the other day say every relationship, no matter how compatible, has some kind of irreconcilable differences. These could be things like one person goes to bed early and the other goes to bed late. One person's really messy. The other one's really neat. One's always on time. The other one's always late. One likes to have planned meals. The other one likes to eat whenever the hell they feel like it. So there's always something in every relationship that is just not going to be reconciled. That's what's wonderful about committed relationships. You will find a way to make things work. I stay up later and my sweetheart goes to bed earlier and gets up earlier than I do. I don't feel like I have to go to bed when he goes to bed and he doesn't feel like he has to try to stay awake. We allow ourselves to sleep in the way we like to sleep because we understand this is not something the other person is doing to us. We're just being who we are. There are all kinds of things about our partners that we need to accept. And if you're trying to turn your partner into someone they're not, then hang it up. Either accept that they're that way or date someone else. One example from the podcast I just mentioned a moment ago that was really cool I want to share here. So this woman had been married to her husband for 15 years and he was a real slob and she was a real neatnik. And she said the only way they'd been able to make it this far is that he travels for two weeks out of every month. So when she's gone, excuse me, when he's gone, she gets to have the house all neat and clean the way she likes it. And when he comes home, there's just a mess everywhere. And she said, I just don't think I can take it anymore. And so the speaker said to the woman, do you have a dog? And she said, yeah. And she said, does your dog shed? And she said, yeah. She said, do you like that your dog sheds? And she said, no, I don't. Well, what do you do when the dog sheds? And she said, well, I vacuum. And it hit the woman. Oh, my God. My husband is, quote, shedding. It's just something I have to deal with. 
So this goes to show that we can learn to accept things about people or dogs if we're committed and love them. So the question to ask yourself is whether the person's messiness, like in this example, is a deal breaker. Does it prevent you from being able to love the person? And if it does not, then what is it that you can do to be more accepting? Maybe it's some kind of mental gymnastics like this woman did by interpreting her husband's sloppiness as his, quote, shedding, just like the dog isn't going to clean up the dog hair. She has to do it with a vacuum cleaner and her sloppy husband isn't going to clean up, clean up after himself because he's sloppy. That's what he does. That's who he is. And the way that I think of this is if I'm the one that the thing is really important to, then I'm the one that needs to be concerned about it. So for example, you know, I've lived with people who were neater than me. And I'm like, you know, if the kitchen not being cleaned up at night is a problem for you, then you're the one that has to actually do something about it. We can't make our partners value the same things that we value. This is another reason why going into the relationship and looking at things that you both value should be addressed when you're building your relationship. Don't assume they'll change after you're married or buy a home or have kids. They won't. Assume they'll either be the same or learn to accept it or move on. Seven, what are the other thing? What, what are the other things we talk about in recovery is HALT, H-A-L-T. Are you hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? And we learn to not allow ourselves to get too hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. That is, if you're hungry, you should eat. If you're angry, you should express it in an appropriate way and then deal with the cause of the anger. If you're lonely, you should reach out to connect to someone. And if you're tired, you should rest. Don't wait for someone else to do these things for you. Don't blame others for your hunger, etc. Sometimes there are other things besides hunger, anger, loneliness, or tiredness that have to do that have nothing to do with the relationship, but they still cause us to get irritable. Don't go looking to the other people to fix things that are making you irritable. It's up to you to take care of that. Eight, another saying we have usually at the end of meetings is keep coming back. It works if you work it. If we apply that knowledge to relationships, keep coming back means you're committed to the relationship. You're committed through the small stuff and the big stuff. And if it works, if you work, it means if you put work into the relationship, it will work. Some people think, oh, if I just meet my soulmate, it'll be easy and I won't have to work hard now and that it won't take any work if we're meant for each other. So, yeah, it will definitely be easier if you meet somebody you're compatible with, but it doesn't mean there's no work. You have to have open communication and that takes work. If you don't want to do something or don't like something or something is irritating, then you should talk to your partner about those things. You need to do things to keep the communication open. And it's not just about negative things that you need to keep the communication open. You also need to keep the communication open about good things. Make sure you are regularly affirming and praising your partner. 
letting them know that you love them, you're attracted to them, you like them, you want to be with them, you're thinking of them. There is nobody who doesn't appreciate a sincere compliment. So make sure you compliment your partner. Make sure you keep that spark alive by letting them know you want them, you desire them. And don't just wait for the other person to do that. If things have gone flat in your romantic relationship, then take responsibility for it. Don't wait for the other person to do it because it works if you work it and you're worth it. So work it. Nine, we hear in recovery all the time that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Another way to say that is if you do what you always did, you'll get what you always got. Well, how many of us are guilty of this in relationships? Maybe you have the same argument over and over again. You have the same conversation over and over again. Guess what? If you're having the same conversation over and over again, something's not working. And that's the definition of insanity. So what do you need to do that's different? Sometimes you need to get outside help. Sometimes you need to sit down and really listen to your partner to find out what's going on here. And what do you think the issue is? Or maybe try some other way of coming at the situation. 10, progress, not perfection. We can't expect perfection out of ourselves or anyone else, but we should expect progress, especially in a committed relationship. If you're not seeing progress in your dating relationship, then you probably shouldn't marry them. But you also shouldn't expect people to conform to your way of doing things. There are going to be certain things in your relationship that are going to be deal breakers. And, if it, and it would be helpful if you got clear on what those were first before you got into a dating relationship. 11. One of my favorite expressions in recovery is how, how it works. H-O-W. Honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. Boy, I'm really tongue-tied today. Okay. So this is really three things in one. This is what we need to have to be able to have a good experience in recovery. And it's what we need in our relationships. We have to be honest. I tell my new sponsees, if you're not honest with me, I can't help you. And if you're not honest with your partner, then they're not really in the relationship with you because you're not telling them the truth about who you are. Open-mindedness. You have to be open-minded to the fact that there's something you don't know. There's something you haven't tried. There's something you're assuming about your partner that's incorrect. So be open-minded that you don't know everything. You don't have all the answers. And then there's willingness. I tell my sponsees, willingness and a higher power will get you through anything. To me, Willingness is the most important quality I require in a sponsee, and it's really important in relationships as well. If you're willing to be in this relationship and willing to do whatever it takes to make this relationship work, then I'm in. And that is called commitment. Commitment makes all the difference in the world. When you're committed to somebody, then you're willing to go through the muck with them and do whatever it takes to get to the other side of the muck because you're committed to each other. It's not like, oh, only if it's easy are we going to be in this together. Honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness in your relationships is imperative. And number 12, what's my part in things? Now, for me, this is my greatest gift of recovery, coming to understand my part in things. It was specifically step four where I had to go back and take a look at what I had been doing that was either creating chaos 
or exacerbating the chaos around me. Something that's occurred to me in the last couple of weeks is that learning to look for my part in things is a big part of what caused me to come out of victim mentality. Part of victim mentality is that we feel like we don't have choices. And when we feel like we don't have choices, we blame other people and the world for our difficulties. This is because we truly believe that we have no part in things. But once we get seasoned to looking for our part in things, that changes all of that. When you're in a relationship and there is a difficulty, especially if it's a recurring pattern, then it behooves you to look for your part in things rather than blaming your partner. As the serenity prayer tells us, we need to accept the things we cannot change, have the courage to change the things we can, but more importantly, we need that wisdom to know the difference between those. And the way we get that is by looking for our part in things. If there's a recurring problem in your relationship, assume you have something to do with it and get to work on figuring out what you can do to change that pattern. Now, I'm sure there are many more lessons from recovery regarding dating and relationships, but those are the ones that came up for me at this time. I'd love to hear your lessons on dating and relationships. Shoot me an email, barb at higherpowercc.com to let me know what they are. Talk to you next week. That's it for today. If you've been finding this podcast helpful, please consider a donation to ensure I can continue. To choose the level of support that feels right to you, go to patreon.com slash higherpowercoaching. Please also review it on Apple Podcasts, like and subscribe to it on your favorite podcast outlet. I'd really appreciate it and it helps others to find the podcast. Now, if someone in particular came to mind when you listen to this episode, please share it with them. And don't forget, I'm on Instagram at Higher Power Coaching. I run group and private coaching programs on creating healthy boundaries. And if that sounds like something that would interest you, head on over to barbchat.net where you can get on my calendar for a free 30-minute better boundaries consultation. My ideal client is someone who is ripe for change. If that's you, then go to barbchat.net and get on my calendar. My goal with all of my work is to help you make lasting changes in your life like I've made deep lasting changes in my life. Remember, it's never too late to recover. No one is beyond hope and healing is possible. Thanks for listening.